Thank you, Lord, for your sweet touch. Amen, 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 amen. Such a beautiful undercurrent, the Holy Ghost and presence of the Lord in the house tonight. Amen. I felt it from the very moment that we walked in the door, and I am grateful for the blessings of God. Are you glad to be in God's house tonight? Amen. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you're close to somebody, turn around, smile at them real big, shake their hand. Amen. Say, I'm glad to see you in church tonight. Amen. Big smile. Show them what you had for dinner. That's all right. Amen. 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 I don't know if it was the the rain or if somebody heard Brother Moody was teaching tonight or what it was, but uh, amen. We, uh, we'll... Uh, I can get the uh, iPad situation. If you have your Bible with you tonight, you'd like to turn with us in the Word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 3, the book of Colossians chapter number 3. Amen. Read a few verses of Scripture there and try and endeavor to teach from the Word of the Lord this evening. Amen. Have your Bible tonight. With you, say amen. Colossians chapter 3, begin with verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Such a beautiful passage of Scripture and portion of the Bible. And if we could just kind of use that as a jumping off place and and, uh, move into the word of the Lord from there. And uh, we will kind of skip around in the book of Colossians. So if you would like to uh, just kind of keep your Bible open there, that will be fine. Let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer tonight. Ask the Lord to lead us and guide us and direct us uh, if we could. Lord, we thank you for your sweet presence that's already been felt in the house of the Lord tonight. God, we pray that you guide and direct the remainder of the service. Touch our hearts, our minds, open our understanding, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And you can be seated in the name of the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight for just a little bit uh, in my thought. And uh, I don't know if it's so much a title or just, just, a, just a thought, kind of a memory peg to hang it on. And it's uh, probably a phrase that... Everybody here, especially if you're a parent, you have uttered many, many, many times before two uh, children, and even if you're not a parent, it's probably a phrase that uh, you have uttered. But the thought is this, what do you want? What do you want? And if you're on the parent side of that equation, it probably uh, had the tenor of, 
What do you want? But uh, what do you want? Colossians chapter 3 we read there. Uh, I want to talk to us tonight about what, what we want, what you want. and I want to pray uh, that our hearts will be attracted to the things of God. A very well-known author and a preacher, his name is Fred Craddock, he tells a rather funny story about a lecture he was giving a few years ago. He was on the West Coast speaking at a seminary when one of the students stood up just before he was beginning to speak, and, and the student said to Fred Craddock, he said, before you speak, I need to know if you're Pentecostal. Craddock was taken aback a little bit. He didn't know exactly what to say, so he said, do you mean do I belong to the Pentecostal church? And the student said, no, I mean are you Pentecostal? Craddock said, are you asking me if I'm charismatic? He said, no, I'm asking if you're a Pentecostal. Craddock said, do you want to know if I speak in tongues? He said, I want to know if you're Pentecostal. Craddock said, I don't know what your question is. The student said, then obviously you're not Pentecostal. And he left the room. Pretty simple Straightforward to most of us, but can I remind somebody here tonight that Pentecostal is not the name on the sign. Pentecostal is not the organizational affiliation. Pentecostal is more than a denominal designation. Pentecostal is more than just a label attached to the tongue talkers and the holy rollers. Pentecost is a genuine, biblical, spiritual God experienced. It is from God to you and I. It happens when we are obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the is it Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Not exactly. It's the good news of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do I Obey the gospel of Jesus Christ by identifying with the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection. Repentance equals death. Baptism equals burial. Resurrection is the infilling of the Spirit. I know I'm preaching to the choir for just a moment here, and probably everybody here knows exactly what I'm talking about, but, but I, I do have a direction, and, and bear with me for just a few minutes. Don't let me bore you with something that's, uh, that's familiar, but, uh, but I want us to understand and, and remember what the gospel is and, and how, how privileged we are to be blessed with the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're glad you have the Holy Ghost tonight, just just shout amen, would you? Amen. Thank God for His Spirit. We're in the book of Colossians. Uh, more correctly, the epistle or the letter to the Colossians. It's a very beautiful letter. It's a doctrine-rich letter. It is written by Paul to the church in the Phrygian city of Colossae. Because we believe that all Scripture is inspired by or comes from God, we could correctly describe this writing as a letter from God to His church. We can look at it this way. This is a, a letter from God to us. God is speaking to us. God is talking to us. This is a letter from God to His people. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. God wrote you the letter. If you hadn't read it or you haven't studied it, 
I encourage you to do so. It is written specifically to the believer. Somebody say, that's me. I'm a believer. This letter in God's Word, this epistle, is written to the believer. It contains all of the ingredients of the inspired Word of God. According to 2 Timothy, it contains doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. So we can we can glean something. We can learn something from the pages of this letter. And it compl- contains some extremely inspiring verses. I want to talk to us tonight for a few minutes about some of the verses of Scripture, and I'll just skip around in the book of Colossians, try to give you the verse before I read it, if you want to mark it or write it down, or if you don't care, that's that's fine, uh, or if you want to go check on me later, that's okay too. Colossians 1 and 5. First of all, let, let, let's, let's back up just a little bit. Colossians, the first couple of verses, is very uh, similar to the opening of all of Paul's letters, he writes in verse 1 that he's apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He includes Timothy in his, in his greeting and his opening. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks. Actually, if you study this passage of Scripture, you'll find that uh, the and the Lord Jesus Christ was added in later manuscripts. It was not even in the original. It's peace from God our Father. We give thanks, verse 3, to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praising God, praying, or rather, praying always for you. Now, we understand that the Apostle Paul was a one God Jew. He wasn't confused on his doctrine. He could quote the book of Deuteronomy from the time that he could speak. He had learned Deuteronomy uh, chapter chapter 6 in, the, in there from the, from the time that he could walk. He understood. In Hebrew, he could say, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Chad. He repeated it over and over. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He was not confused in the writing of the epistles when God smote him on the road to Damascus when he was blinded by that light. He, he, he didn't get a spirit of confusion. He understood there is one God. There is one God. Verse number 5, Colossians chapter 1 says, The hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. It is in the book of Colossians that we find and are reminded that our hope is not on this earth, but it is laid up in heaven. Our hope is not on this earth. Our hope is not on this earth. I know everybody was glued to the internet and the radio and the TV last night awaiting election results. Our hope is not on this earth. It doesn't matter who goes into office or who doesn't go into office. Our hope is not on this earth. If you're looking for fulfillment and reward and satisfaction on this earth and in the things of the earth, you will ultimately be disappointed. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, the New International Version says it this way. It tells us that we are created with eternity in our hearts. God created you and I with a space in our inner man that can only be filled with the things of God. And it doesn't matter 
What else are you trying to fill it with? It's not going to work. You can try to fill it with drug and alcohol and chemicals. Nope, it's not going to work. Relationships and riches and fame, it's not going to work. Immorality and pleasures and experience, it's not going to fill that thing in your heart that God put there by virtue of your creation that desires and longs for the things of God. Well, somebody say amen. Our hope is fulfilled in Christ. And ultimately, our eternal hope is fulfilled when 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17 comes to pass. Anybody remember that one? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Colossians 1 and 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. It reminds us there in the book of Colossians, it reminds us that it is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that redeems us and washes away our sins. We don't have the ability to save ourselves. We don't have the ability to redeem or wash or cleanse ourselves. But 1 and 13 tells us that we have been delivered from the power of darkness and we have been translated into the kingdom of Christ. Well, preacher, I can't see it, the the kingdom. Well, perhaps you're not looking in the right place. Luke records the words of Christ in Luke 17, 20 and 21. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not something that you can see with the natural eye. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within us. When I was born again, John 3 tells me that I entered into the kingdom of God. I am in God. He is in me. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 tells me that my body is a temple, the dwelling place of the Spirit. Spirit Spirit-filled child of God here tonight, you have a brand new citizenship. Somebody ought to get excited. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm as patriotic as any red-blooded American in the world. I love my country. I, I love the Constitution of the United States of America. But I can tell you, I'm a whole lot more excited about my heavenly citizenship. I'm thankful that I'm a part of the kingdom of God. It's got a much greater future. Amen. Can I give you a little bit of sound doctrine here tonight? 1 and 15 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Let me give you some supporting scripture. Don't be deceived. Colossians 2, 3, and 4. Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Don't let any man beguile you. In Christ are hid all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. John 4 and 24, God is a spirit. John 1, 18 and 1 John 4 and 12, no man hath seen God at any time. We cannot see God with our natural eyes. They are not designed or created to see into the dimension of the spirit. But watch what the word of God does. Verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, I don't normally bring my phone to the pulpit, but for the sake of illustration tonight, if, you, if you've got a smartphone, and probably most everybody here does, if you open that little booger up, you, you're probably on your home page or somewhere there, you've got a, like mine, and I know you probably can't see it from there, you've got a lot of little pictures there. We call them icons, right? They are pictures that represent 
most often an app or a program on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, on my iPad tonight. I'm I'm using a a word processing app, and when I open my iPad, there's a little icon there that tells me where I want to go and what I need to open. It gives me direction. Now, I look at that picture. I look at that icon, and I see a representation of what's in that computer, that program. Now, I'm not a, a, a computer genius. I, I'm not a computer anything. I know how to turn it on and pull what I want off of there sometimes, and most of the time I have to get my, my wife to help me if it gets much more complicated than that. But, but I, do, I do know how to do that. But suffice it to say, I do not understand the intricacies and the details of programming and what all is in there, the dots and the dashes that, that make up the programs and the computer languages that somebody had to use to create that and all of its capabilities and abilities and all that's possessed. All I, I just see the icon. I just see, I, I just know what to touch to make it work. You see, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The Greek word for image is icon, E-I-K-O-N. It is the same word that brings to us the English word for icon, I-C-O-N. Jesus is the icon of God. Friend of mine, let me tell you, you don't have the ability to understand all that God is and all that He is capable of. You can't understand the depths and the intricacies of God. Don't you, You'll blow a fuse in your brain if you start trying to think about it. But friend of mine, can I tell you, uh, we do know who Jesus Christ is. Uh, and when I turn to Jesus, the Bible tells me He is the image of the invisible God. He is everything that I need to know about the Almighty God. And Paul writes to us, God tells us uh, through the pen of Paul that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1 and 19, for it pleased the Father that in Him should all of the fullness dwell. You have a King James Version, the words the Father are italicized. That means they were added. They are not in the original text. The translators were trying to clarify according to their thoughts on what it meant. Most translations read it something like or similar to this. For God in all his fullness was pleased to dwell in him. A literal translation would read this way. Because in him it did please all the fullness to tabernacle or to dwell. I like the Bible in basic English. It renders it this way. It says, for God in full measure was pleased to be in him, Jesus Christ. You know Colossians 2 and 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Greek word for fullness means completeness. All of God is in Christ. The completeness, the entirety of God is in Jesus Christ, the flesh of Christ. Jesus is the icon of all that is God. That's why Jesus could respond to Philip with, Philip, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When you say Jesus, you have said it all. Amen. Now, 
again, I, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here tonight, but I wanted to set the stage for Colossians and, and what Paul is writing and who he is writing to and what it is that he's saying. We know these things. We understand the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. We understand the oneness of God. We know we have an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And he goes on and he talks about uh, being born again, be, being filled with the Spirit. And, and hang on, I'm getting to my lesson, my message tonight. We, we skip over to chapter 3. And we read, If ye then be risen with Christ, remember the resurrection, that's the infilling of the Spirit, that's the Holy Ghost. If I died with Him in repentance, if I came to God and repented, that was my death. That was the death of the old man. If I was buried with him in baptism, if I went down in the waters of baptism fully immersed in the name of Jesus Christ, I was buried with Christ, and I will rise with him. That's the infilling, indwelling spirit to walk in newness of life. Child of God, the Holy Ghost is not just my ticket to heaven. It is my invitation to a greater life here on this earth. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, when we were dead in our sins, because of His great love for us, raised us up together with Christ. Somebody say that's the Holy Ghost. Colossians 2 and, oh, you didn't, I don't know if you believed it or not. Somebody say that's the Holy Ghost. Amen, that's better. Colossians 2 and 12, you were buried with him in baptism. You were also raised with him through faith of the operation of God who did raise Christ from the dead. Somebody say that's the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's better. Who's God talking to? He's talking to you and I. He's talking to the believer. He's, he's talking to people that's already filled with the Spirit. Now, I said all that to say this. Here's where we're going. If that is you and that is I, the Word is about to give us some instruction. God says to us, Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Seek those things which are above. The sun, moon, and the stars? No. The things of the kingdom. Seek those things which are above. Above is more than just a physical direction. It can also, biblically speaking, be a metaphor for that which is greater. Seek those things which are above. When I, when I got married, I married somebody better looking, classier, sweeter, and smarter than me. Somebody said, Brother Moody, you married up. And I did, that's right. When you get a promotion and a raise on your job, you're said to be what? You're moving up. Jerusalem is the city of God. It is Zion. In Scripture, it represents the Word of God and the things of God, which includes the people and the concepts of God's Word. Jerusalem was sat on a hill. It was impossible to go down to Jerusalem. You always went up when you went to Jerusalem. David wrote in the 121st Psalm, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? From the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We're looking at the things of God. We're looking up. We're seeking the things up that are above. 
down is bad. We're down and out. We're downtrodden. You're old-timey like me. You're down in the mouth. You're down in the mully grubs. No one ever says he's up and out. No one ever says you're uptrodden. It's down. If it's good, you are over the moon. You may not be on drugs, but you can still be as high as a kite on top of the world. If life is treating you good, you're, you're never walking in short cotton. You're walking in tall cotton. It's growing up. Up. We're talking about things that are above. I think we get the spirit of what the verse here tonight, the instructions from the Lord are trying to tell us. Seek things that are above. Set our affections on things above. We might be tempted to reach for easy things, things on the same level, things that don't require much effort. Oh, my. Oh, I'm going to work hard for that promotion and that raise and, and that thing that's on the job. But when it comes to the things of God, I'll just let it happen as it comes. But the Bible admonishes us, church, to seek for and to reach for those things that are above. Now, I'll ask the, the, the question here tonight, I'm not looking for a show of hands, but how often do we forget? How often do we get busy with the things in life and forget to seek the things that are above? Seek to forget to reach for things that are above. Seek, forget to, to reach for the things of the kingdom of God. I can give in to being my fleshly self. That don't require a whole lot of effort. But the Word of God encourages us and challenges us to seek up and reach up and desire up. Seek those things that are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Somebody say kingdom things. There's a constant reminder not to let ourselves get complacent and satisfied with the things of this world. I don't know how many are old enough to remember an old cartoon character by the name of Pogo Possum. Anybody remember him? Lord, just me. I know I'm not the only one here. Maybe I'm the only one carnal enough to read the funny papers. Maybe that's what it is. There's a little cartoon character that his name was Pogo the, Pogo the Possum. He talked about the things of the world and, and all of these things and not getting attached to this. And, and, and Walt Kelly was the author and the writer and the illustrator there. And, and he would say, and I think he always had a, had a deeper meaning in trying to get a point across when he was talking about not getting attached to things in this life. And he would always say, they ain't no how permanent. The things of this world are not going to last forever. It doesn't matter how much you love them, get attached to them, seek for them, long for them, reach for them, try to attain them and gain. They're not permanent. They will not last. We seek after the things of God and set our affections on things above. Now, wait just a minute here, and let's don't let that word affections trick our mind into thinking it's about feelings. This is not about my feelings. You know, your feelings will lie to you. Well, my, my. Your emotions will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. This is not about feelings. This word affections, it's about choices and decisions that we make. I choose what to set my affection on. I choose what I like. I choose what I dislike. I choose what I'm going to do. Well, so-and-so did, chose, they, they were in t No, they chose. It's about choices. 
in our life. I choose what to set my affections on. I raise my hand. I raise both my hands. There are some things in this world I like. There are some things in this world I like. I like to hunt, and I like to fish, and I like to play ball. There are some things in this world that I like to do, I enjoy doing, but it's about priorities in this world. I choose not to make them the priorities in my life. Oh, Brother Moody, you're meddling now. These are about priorities in our world. These are about what I choose to make number one in my life. I believe that in this passage of Scripture, God is trying to speak to the church, the believer, and say, hey, hold on just a minute. Time out. Look around you. Make sure you aren't putting things in front of me. That's idolatry. Hey, i got to go to work. I've got to make a living. Anybody tired? Me too. I work today too. Anybody got to go to work in the morning? Me too. I have to make a living. I have to work. I have to do the things of this world. But friend of mine, I don't have to set my affections on this world. Can I give you kind of a testimony, I guess? Maybe maybe it's just a story. About 30, 31 years ago, I uh, was in church one night, and I saw up around the altar this beautiful young lady. And I asked my, I elbowed my my friend, Brother Hansel, Hansel Stanley. He knew everybody. Still does. He he can he can hold a conversation with a fence post. I mean he he doesn't meet a stranger. I knew he knew. I said, Who is that over there? He said, her name is Twyla. I said, oh, okay. I couldn't remember it. It was an unusual name. So a couple services later, I said, what did you say her name was? So I don't remember exactly how we got introduced, but but somehow I got up the nerve on the telephone, and I, I called her on the telephone, and I asked her to go out on a date with me. And myself and and my wife and, Brother Hansel Stanley, Brother Kraft's assistant in Jackson, and another young lady that went to Bible school. We we planned a double date, and, and we we went out on a date, and, and one turned into two, and, and two turned into five in a relationship and, and an engagement. And long story short, here we are almost 30 years later. I'm still married to that beautiful young lady that I saw in front of the church around the altar 31 years ago. What are you trying to say, Brother Moody? I'm I'm trying to tell you that in the last 31 years, I I have set my affections on her. Everybody say, oh. I set my affections on her. Now, there's a lot of women in this world, some attractive ones too. Oh, Brother Moody, you're being carnal now. No, that's the truth. I have worked with them. I have been on special projects with them. I have have uh, 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 worked for them. They have worked for me. But in all of that time, there's never been an issue 
with any one of them becoming more important, more of a priority in my life than the one that I set my affections on 30-something years ago. There's not an issue with another relationship. There's not. My wife doesn't have to. She, she can anytime she wants to. She can go through my phone. She can go through my iPad. She can go through my computer. She can check whatever. There's, there's no issues there. there. There's not a problem there because I set my affections a long time ago. What are you trying to say, Brother Moody, in a silly illustration? I'm trying to say that when you and I, as a blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled child of the Almighty God, when we set our affections on things above and we declare in our hearts and minds that the kingdom of God and the things of God and the Word of God and the house of God and the people of God are are our number one priority in this world. Yes, I have to live, and yes, there's other things that I like. But there's never an issue. There's never a problem. There's never a wondering of whether I'm going to quit, whether I'm going to backslide, whether something else is going to distract me because I have set my affections in the right place. God is concerned about your eternal salvation He's got 6,000 years invested in your salvation. He's got Calvary's cross invested in your salvation. He's got shed blood invested in your salvation. He loves you, and his book is full of instructions of things that if we will do and obey, we'll make sure that we spend eternity with him. Set your affections on things above. I want what God wants me to want. I want what God wants. It is my choice and I choose the things of God. Amen. This is a call tonight. If this is where you are totally and completely, you can raise your hand and say, Preacher, Brother Moody, hey, I am 100% sold out. There are no issues there. This is a call for you to stand strong, plant your feet on the ground, and stay there. If that's not where you're at, this is a call up. It's a call to seek up, to choose up, to decide for up. Luke 21 and 28 says, Look up, your redemption is drawing near. It doesn't matter, my friend, what Donald Trump does, what the UN does, what NATO does. It doesn't matter who's in charge in this kingdom. I'm a citizen of another kingdom, and that is my priority. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. This I'm just reading from a different version, and it says it this way. Since then you have been raised with Christ. That's me. Set your hearts or your affections on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. The story told, perhaps you've heard it. One day, in a little pond, a swan came down from heaven and he lighted on the water on the pond. Over in the the cattails along the edge, there was an old crane. He was walking along the edge in the slime and the muck and the mud. and He'd stick his beak down in the mud. He was looking for snails. He looked up and he saw the swan and he said, 
Where did you come from? Swan said, I came from heaven. He said, where's that at? And Swan began to try to explain to him about heaven, its beauty, its splendor, the greatness of the place. He tried to put in vivid detail something that would make the, the crane envision heaven. Crane just looked at him with an old blank stare. And after the, the swan finished expounding and elaborating on heaven, the crane said, Are there any snails there? He said, No, there are no snails there. He said, Then you can keep your heaven. All I want is snails. What a, what a sad story that there are people in this world when heaven is available, all they want is snails. When the things of God are available, not only in this life, but beyond, all they want is the things of this world. I'm thankful for the opportunity that God has given us to, to reach for, to seek for, to search for the things of God. And I'll give you a homework assignment tonight. I think Brother Twan did it uh, Sunday morning. I'll give you one tonight. Read chapter 3, verses 5 through chapter 4 and, and verse 6 of Colossians. God's Word gives us instructions on how to live when we set our affections on things above. Stand with me if you would tonight. What do you want? Look at your neighbor and say, what do you want? It's really about what we want. The instructions from the Word of God tell us to set our hearts or set our affections on things above. God things, kingdom things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's a command. The writer of Hebrews, and I, I know you can quote it as well or better than, than I can. He that believeth, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When we diligently seek after the things of God, the rewards of this kingdom come. I, just a quick story, and I'm, I'm closing. There's a lady that I pastored in Arkansas. She wouldn't mind me telling you this story. She was a faithful lady, very uh, faithful to the house of God, faithful to God. She was married to an unbeliever, and she prayed for her husband, and we prayed for her husband, and just never could quite convince him that he needed God, this is this is what you need. He 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 worked away a lot, and he was gone. and And she was very prayerful, lady, very very diligent in seeking God and putting God first in everything in her life. She had married this man. He was a good man. He was a wonderful man, a great provider. He was very good to her. She had married him before she'd gotten into the church. But when she, she found God, she became very, very devoted. She would spend hours a, a day, and she was in a situation where she didn't have to uh, work a public job. And she would spend hours. She, she prayed uh, for me often, and I'm very grateful and felt the effects of, of her prayers. And she prayed for her husband, and and almost every conversation that I ever had with her ended with, or somewhere in that conversation was, Brother Moody, please pray for my husband. I want him to be saved. I want him to find God. I don't want him to die lost. 
and she prayed for him daily and she prayed for him diligently and she prayed for him consistently. And she put God first in her life and he knew and he respected her walk with God and her relationship with God. Thankfully, he wasn't overly demanding. And when he was in town and when he was there, she spent adequate amounts of time with him, but, but she was very, very diligent in her relationship with God. You know, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. My wife and I got a text on our phone last week. She said, Brother Moody, thank you for praying. And she sent me a picture, and it was a picture of them baptizing her husband in the name of Jesus Christ. She said, God answers prayers. When we seek the kingdom of God and seek those things that are above, friend of mine, it may be sometimes a long time coming, who was it? I don't remember who it was. Maybe somebody here. I told my wife earlier tonight. Somebody said that, that God's never late. Who was it? I don't remember who said that. God's never late. But sure, he sure has missed a lot of opportunities to be early. Amen. When you put God first in your life, God has a way somehow answering those prayers even though we may be tempted to give up even though we may be tempted to say forget about it I'll pray for some somebody or something else God has a way of rewarding the diligently seeker Lord we love you thank you for your word tonight thank you for the attention of the hearer God I pray that your word would be a seed planted in our hearts God let us make an effort and an endeavor to put you first to seek those things that are above in every decision that we make oh Lord in every path that we take to make you a priority in our lives it is what we do it is who we are in our service and our walk with God in Jesus name Everybody said amen. Shake hands with your neighbor, smile at them real big, and you can be dismissed in the fear of the Lord.